You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're running out of runway again in Fab Facts. We are cross, cross and cross again in the randomizer. And I have a chat with Lubna Kerr. Ooh, she sounds lovely. That's all coming up in pod 148. And she speaks very highly of you. Of the Jerry Anderson Podcast! Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Hello, Podsterons. Hello, Richard James. Hello, Jamie Anderson. How are you? I'm fine. You sound quite excited. Yeah, Yeah, you you noticed. You know why, of course. Is that because it's the pre-penultimate day before Jerry Anderson Day? Spot on. And I can't (laughs) wait. Jerry Anderson Day, the first international Jerry Anderson Day. Yes, it is very exciting. And uh, there's all sorts of stuff happening for Jerry Anderson Day. Uh, obviously, if you're listening yeah. to this after the 14th of April, then um, sorry you missed it. But hopefully yeah, you caught shame. it. But if you're listening <laughs> to this on the day of release, it's coming very soon. And it doesn't really matter where you are in the world. There is either something or there will be a lot of things for you to enjoy Ooh. for the day. There's so much stuff I'm going to forget about what those things are during this podcast, but I will do my best (laughs) to remember as many as possible. Chris Dale is here, but he's over there beavering away, preparing some final bits and pieces for the big day on the 14th. Yes, Yes, he is. He's got that sort of that welding torch and the visors. He's he's building something quite spectacular, I think. Ah, well, you talk about building, we'll touch on that later, because that is Ah. one of the things that might be happening this Jerry Anderson day. Uh, But Richard James... Let's not just talk about Jerry Anson Day. What happens oh. on this, the Jerry Anson podcast? Ah, well, if you've been listening for the previous 147 pods, you might well know that it goes something like this. We'll be having fab facts in just a moment. Uh, that's when Jamie will present us with uh, an unusual or interesting fact from the Jerry Anderson universe. We've got newsy news, 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 of course, which this week is very special, featuring, as it does, a few things, I should imagine concerning Jerry Anderson Day. Uh, we've got the first part of my chat with Glaswegian actress, writer and comedian Lubna Kerr coming up a little later on. And, of course, Chris Dale will be here with his amazing randomizer. Beyond all of that, though, the most important people on this podcast are you, our lovely listeners. True. And we'll be hearing from you because you've been emailing us in at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. You've been posting on our Facebook group and mentioning us on Twitter. And also, because Jerry Anderson Day is coming up, I will be asking, or rather I have been asking, many of our listeners, what will they be doing on Jerry Anderson Day? Neil Holloway, for example, says, well, joining you guys on Fab Live for sure. Perhaps watching a few episodes of something. Duncan Moss says, I'm trying to get the day off work, but if I can't, I'm working early shift, so I'll be able to partake in the evening. I guess I'll join a stream until Fab Live. Can't wait. And Roger Smith says, unfortunately, I'll be working but I have my T-shirt for when I finish. Ah, oh. oh, Obviously, that's the Jerry Anson Day T-shirt he's talking about. Quite right, Not just too, a random yes. T-shirt. No, no, true. Well, yeah, as you'll soon find out, there are lots of ways you can enjoy it. It doesn't matter if you're working or when you're working or where you are in the world, there will be ways to get involved and uh, 
enjoy your fair dose and maybe some more of all things Jerry Anderson. Great. To help you on your way with that, I would like to present to you now a fab fact. Right. Now, time for this week's fab facts. Fab facts is the yes. uh, listeners' um, favourite, one of their favourites. <sighs> Not the least favourite part of the show, uh, where I have a book of fab mm. facts. I flick through it at random Richard shouts fab, and at that random point I stop flicking and then read you out a fab fact from the page. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. Are you sure you don't want me to re-explain I'll give it? you that. No, I think we're clear. Okay, well then here comes the flicking. Fab! Oh, I'm going to slow down a bit there, because uh, at the start I thought I was going to yeah. run out of pages. Uh-oh. But thankfully, we've landed in the mid-1960s. And we're better to land than in the world of Thunderbirds. Ah, great. Everyone's favourite. Certainly yeah, what, your second favourite, isn't it? Or third favourite. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, Sorry. we'll be talking about someone who can do that even better than you shortly. But for now, <laughs> Richard James, if there is one scene that every Jerry Anderson fan knows, I mean yeah. everyone, it is probably the thrilling climax of Trapped in the Sky, which is the very first episode of Thunderbirds, as you uh -huh. know. Yeah, yeah. In case somehow you have missed this iconic sequence, let me briefly describe it to you. The Fire Flash, which is a, an experimental massive passenger plane, uh, its landing gear disabled by the Hood's explosive device, must execute an emergency landing using International Rescue's elevator car system deployed by Virgil Tracy from Thunderbird 2. Cool. Uh, now, if you are not familiar with the conclusion of this episode, then perhaps you should pause the podcast now, head off and watch <laughs> Trapped in the Sky, and then return, because this fat fact could be considered to be a spoiler. Right. Yeah, yeah, because we're not going to wait, so put us on pause. We're yeah, not going to so sit here pause us, and we'll assume you pause yeah. now, and now you've watched it. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, now you're back. Yeah, uh, wasn't it good? Now, are you ready for the spoiler in case you haven't bothered to watch Trapped in the Sky? Here it comes. <clears throat> International Rescue Save the Day. Would you believe that? <laughs> Get that, away. Um, incredible, incredible. You yeah. you heard it here first. <laughs> However, it was only just that they managed oh. to save the day. In the process, as you will probably know, they did crash two of the elevator cars. Right. The first, Car 3, experiences radio control failure and careers into a parked aircraft, leading to a traditional spectacular fireball. Just the way we like them. Of course, every vehicle is packed with 40,000 tonnes of TNT. Uh, <laughs> the second was the master control car, manned by Virgil, which fails under the strain of applying maximum brakes. But did you know that one of these accidents was in fact a real-life accident on the special effects stage? Really? In, but yes, really, that's why I've said God. that. Uh, mm. In an often repeated story, Dad and Derek Meddings both told of how the crash wasn't planned, but was in fact the result of a guiding string failing or a bump on the rolling road mechanism, depending on who's telling the story. The resulting footage looks so good that additional material was scripted and filmed to incorporate the effect into the story. Ah. What isn't often repeated, but is often taken for granted, is which elevator car was crashed by accident and which effect was planned. Oh, right. Reports from those who were actually on set vary from person to person, and time has a way, as you know, Richard, of obscuring memories of such specific details. Who are you again? See, happens all the time. Now, at the time mm. we're recording this fan fact, there is no documentation, as far as we know, that was available to prove which car it was. 
but the most prevalent theory is that it was car 3, since the model airplane being blown up could be a later addition. However, the master control car, or car 1, weaves in a really erratic pattern that, to my eye certainly, more closely resembles an actual accident. Right. But which one was it? We don't know. Mm. Do you, listeners, have any definitive evidence of which elevator car was the accidental crashing one? <laughs> Do you have a theory about which one crashed? Let us know. Email us evidence and theories to podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk because we would love to know your thoughts. Now, I'm sure somebody will say, oh, it's definitely car three, mate. I know because uh, I heard yeah. Jerry Mennings tell the story. Well, yeah, you hear well, somebody else tell the story and they would have said it's car one. I yes. think... If you watch it when Virgil's control card tips out from under the nose and bounces around, that is not an intentional crash, I don't think. Oh. It just, it looks like a happy accident to me. And that's, really? that's where I lay my hat in the ring, okay. if that's a phrase. All right. So they go, what do you think, Richard James? Do you have any well, theories? I must go and watch it before I pass any sort of judgment at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with the sequence, but I haven't really watched it with, with that sort of eye for the detail, I must say. Well, I must go back. Go and watch it. Now, Yeah. this story is told by Dad himself mm -hmm. on BritBox in the UK as part of um, Jerry Anderson Day. We'll be talking about it in the news ah, shortly. There are there 10 episodes, which we believe to be Dad's favourites from across uh, the Super Mario Nation and live action era. Mm -hmm. we've picked those and worked with BritBox and uh, lovely Ben Page on our team has put together some fantastic introductions where you get some contextual info and intro from Dad in his own words from some previously unpublished tapes courtesy of Sue Harmon of the Simon Archer estate that Simon Archer was Dad's first biographer who yeah, was uh, sadly killed far too soon yeah. uh, in an accident but they are amazing intros, and Dad tells that story about Trapped in the Sky. So if you want to hear it from the horse's mouth rather than the horse's son's mouth, then you should go to BritBox. Uh, I think you can still get a 30-day free trial there if you're not already a member, and listen to the intro from Dad. I think it's rather cool. Oh, so that's available now, is it? We don't have to wait for Jerry Anderson Day for that. It is available right now, and it will oh, be for a good great. few months yet too. So um, do pop along. But uh, you should be able to find it pretty easily uh, on the front page of BritBox from Jerry Anderson Day. Now, yeah. I think that brings us perhaps accidentally, but I'm not quite sure which part mm. of this was accidental, mm. to the end of this week's... Crash, Crash Fact! There we go. Ah, who doesn't love a crash <laughs> fact, nice. eh? Yeah, it, I love that. The fact that some details are just lost in the mist of time. We'll never know for certain. It's sort of lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Now, talking of uh, things uh, being not quite certain, I've had an email here from Stephen, who uh, emailed us at podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk. Oh, yes. Hi there, Jamie and Richard James, he said. Hi there, Stephen mm. and Richard James. Yeah, so I'm not sure who... He thinks you are. But anyway, he says, I really love the weekly podcast, although I have to admit I've only just discovered them. What am I like? He says, I have a really awful Thunderbirds joke for you. Lots of apologies in advance. Hope something like it hasn't been said before. I keep on having nightmares about a bald guy with funny eyes. Yesterday, I dropped my tray of drinks and rolled around on the floor for a bit. And today I have this urge to turn off Thunderbird 1's automatic camera detector. I think I might have Kiranovirus. Sorry, I told you it was bad. Keep up the good work. All the best, Stephen. <clears throat> oh. Now, Stephen, never, ever email us again. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, uh, blocked. 
There we go. I think that's fair Marcus Spam. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dear Jamie, Richard, Chris and team. Uh, it's been a while since I emailed in, says Becca. Thanks for keeping us all sane during lockdown. A few of us podstrons from the Podders Pub quiz group happened to tune into Paul O'Grady's Sunday evening Radio 2 show, mm. where he often plays classic lost TV themes. Mm. Becca says a few of us thought it might be good to drop him a line to ask if he could possibly try to play some classic Anderson themes in the run-up to the first official Jerry Anderson Day. What do you think? Keep up the great work on the podcast. Some favourite recent interviews have been Richard Harvey and Catherine Schell of Space 1999 and James Bond fame. Best wishes from Becca. Well, thanks for getting in touch with Paul O'Grady, Becca. That sounds a, a great idea. I suppose by now we will have known if he's played any Jerry Anderson themes, because I think his show would have gone out yesterday, Sunday, here in the UK. Ah. Uh, So, did you listen? Fingers tightly Mm. crossed. Indeed. And who knows Uh, what may happen on Radio 2 on Jerry Anderson Day itself. We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Eh? What do you mean? Well, I I generally don't Uh, know, but I'm guessing that something might happen. Who knows? Oh. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Hey, Jamie, Richard and Chris, says Dom Riley. Uh, Just started listening again as I've been absent due to work. And my God, I've missed so much. It's been so enjoyable listening in my new job while doing admin. Uh, The randomiser with Chris Dale is amazing, as is the news. Well, to put it frankly, all of it. I do agree with Chris on Stingray Lighthouse Dwellers and Last Train to Buffler's Holt from Secret Service, both being amazing episodes. With the new partnership, says Dom, with ITV and BritBox, could we maybe see a new HD Thunderbirds in 4x3 and mono on Blu-ray? Especially since I just retired my old Scarlet, new Scarlet, and mine and Jamie's favourite Wonderboy. I, of course, use the term favourite loosely. Joe 90 DVDs for Network's amazing releases of the aforementioned. Keep up the great work. P.S. Finally got round to Space Precinct. Absolute show stealer as Officer Orin. Really enjoying it so far. <laughs> and that's from Tom Riley. What can he mean? So, Jamie, any hope of a, a new HD release of Thunderbirds in 4x3 and mono on Blu-ray? Or? Oh, well, we do hope so, mm. but it's outside of our control. I mean, it seems crazy that it's now on streaming, but still not on physical, and I will keep... Um you know, bashing the guys at ITV over the head with the request for a, yeah. a Thunderbirds Blu-ray. As yet, yeah. unsuccessful, but I shall keep with the head bashing. Yeah. Metaphorical, of course. Of, um, course, of course. Until we're successful. And finally for now, just a few more uh, ideas of what people will be doing for Jerry Anderson Day. Uh, Simpsons Clips 24 says, I'll be sitting down with my friend Sam to watch some of Jerry's productions that didn't involve puppets. She's a bit freaked out by them. Andrea Boot says, I'll be doing paperwork. I have a small mountain of forms I need to fill in before I start my new job. Uh, James Pilson Wood says, uh, the very welcome return of Fab Live and then the network stream. I can't wait. And Paul Maxton says, I might watch some Space Precinct when I get home. Fair enough. That's a much more yeah. relaxed approach to that, isn't it? Much, yeah, it's very good. Just, just because just. there are things happening at certain times on Jerry Anderson Day doesn't mean you have to be regimented about your enjoyment of all things Jerry Anderson. You ah. can do it as and when you wish. Ah, if we can help great. you enjoy it, then even better. Yeah. Richard James, speaking of that, mm. yes. there's quite a lot of news. So <gasps> shall we go straight now to the Jerry Anderson news? I've been so looking forward to this. Me too. Here we go. Can you do a special Jerry Anderson Day version of Newsy News, Richard? <coughs> Newsy News, News, News. Well, that How was, was that? more intimate than I was expecting, but it was still special. <laughs> yeah. So, Okay, good. Right, Richard James, it's, this is one of those news things when you've waited for ages and, you know, you're hoping yeah. for some cool, exciting things. And there's always yeah. things happening, but this is yeah. a real case of 
waiting for a bus and then they all turn up at once. Ah, go on then. So, well, let's start with Jerry Anderson Day. Okay, so yes. as long as you're listening to this prior to the end of the day on the 14th of April, and ideally you'll be listening to it on the day of release because you're, uh, well, a very dedicated podster on, mm. the 14th of April would have been Dad's 92nd birthday. And uh, to celebrate his life and career and amazing legacy, we are holding the first ever Jerry Anderson Day. Now... I think, as we've discussed in the past, sometimes people have these days and they are kind of, um, they're very kind of commercial. It's sort of, oh, we've got these new toys, go and buy all the toys and stuff. But we've yeah, done our best yeah. to make this a real celebration with as many parts of the day as, as easy and free to access to as many people as possible. Yeah. And the idea is that if you love Jerry Anderson, you get to enjoy it with fans around the world. If you have enjoyed Jerry Anderson in the past, you get to expand and revisit your, you expand your appreciation of the legacy. And mm-hmm. if you are new to the world of Jerry Anderson, in which case you may not be listening to this, but you listening right now, you know people who could be new to the world of Jerry Anderson. So for you, you get to go out and say, hey, there's this great day. I love this stuff. You will too. Here are the ways yeah. you can access it. Now, great. here are some of the things that are happening on Jerry Anderson Day. Very early in the morning, on the 14th of April, we will be releasing a very special bonus episode of the Jerry Anderson podcast, which will contain a load of rather cool clips, audio clips, uh, from those archive tapes I've talked about earlier on in this episode. It'll be about half an hour long, maybe a little bit longer, and there will be a very special interactive element. Cool. So if you go to jerryanderson.co.uk slash pod. That's G-A-Day-Pod, G-A-D-A-Y-P-O-D. There will be a very special player there, and if you use that player to access that bonus episode of the podcast, you will be able to vote on a couple of things through the episode, and uh, we'd love it if you would. So a little bit of interaction, so that's exciting. Yeah. Now, later on in the day, there'll be some bits and pieces on social throughout the day, of course. You may wish to, at some point, visit BritBox if you're in the UK and watch some of the Jerry Anderson The Greatest episodes on there, which all have newly put together, newly uh, edited video intros featuring audio of Dad introducing those episodes and series in his own words, which is rather mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. At 7... No, at 5.30pm UK time, but available worldwide, will be the return of Fab Live. Oh. Jerry Anderson Day special. And now we have a number of special guests on that. Do we? Yes, we have one Richard James. <laughs> Obviously. I believe there's some chap called Jamie Anderson. Oh yes, I've heard of him. We have uh, Nick Briggs joining us, Voice of the Daleks. Oh. We have comic artist Lee Sullivan coming along and popping ah, in for great. Fab or Fib. Oh, lovely. I'm hoping we may possibly be hearing from John Culshaw and maybe somebody else because of something we're going to be talking about in the news any second. Okay. And we also have a very special model building challenge, which will be uh, handled by, uh, undertaken by, Chris Thompson, whose work right. you will know from all the lovely CG stuff and the t-shirt designs, and etc, etc. But he's going to be under pressure for 90 minutes while we uh, play games and stuff. We'll be checking on him as he, as he undertakes a very special challenge. Great. There may be other guests, but I think that's quite a lot of people. It's going to be a 90-minute episode. Now... Once that episode is done, I mean, this is so exciting. There's just so much stuff. If you are in the UK, then you may wish to join in with the Jerry Anderson Night In Watch Along on Network's streaming platform. 
Mm-hmm. So you go to watch.networkonair.com and there you will find the Jerry Anderson Night In. It's four ninety nine, but once you've bought it, you can watch it for as many times as you like. It's five hours of carefully curated Jerry Anderson content with all sorts of linking material and unfortunately for you, some narration by me, making it Uh-oh. a... I know, I'm so sorry. We, we did try to get a professional, but unfortunately they weren't available. <laughs> so it's a very personal take, uh, but we'll, we'll be tweeting along... Uh, live across Twitter and uh, you know interacting on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. So mm. that's a great way to spend your entire evening. So make sure you've got your snacks and stuff ready. There will be a couple of times for brief comfort breaks, but otherwise you must be glued to your device where you're watching that stream. Now, if you're outside the UK, I can hear you go, oh, but that's not fair. Well, if you're in North America, Shout Factory are putting on a 24-hour Jerry Anderson marathon. Wow. Oh, they nice. also have a bunch of trivia, linking material, and other cool stuff going on throughout the day, and you can enjoy 24 full hours of, uh, of Jerry Anderson content. Now, at the time of recording, we're not exactly sure what time that is beginning. I think it might be starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time. 11 a.m. Pacific time. So that's something for you if you're in North America. If you're not in North America, do not worry. What? Because at 8pm UK time, there is a Big Finish listening party where you can enjoy for free uh, 90 minutes of Terrorhawks audios uh, Ah. with tweets from cast and crew, including a one, what's this guy's name? Richard Neinstein James. Isn't that you? Yeah, I'm familiar with his work, yes. So you'll be tweeting along. Yeah, uh, because one of the episodes is Sail of the Galaxy, starring the late, great Nicholas Parsons. And of course, you had the pleasure or... Well, let's say pleasure. It was a pleasure. Of course, you had the pleasure of working with me and Denise and Nicholas to record Nicholas's lines. Yes, although I don't actually appear in the episode. You don't, unfortunately, no. which is terribly unfair. But, but you, you many are the one there. To tell. Exactly. Yeah. You're the only one who's going to be on there, uh, you know, telling the stories live about uh, yeah. working with Nicholas. So that's going to be rather cool. But you'll also be able to hear from Chris Dale and from Beth Chalmers and from Robbie Stevens and hopefully from Jeremy Hitchin. Just follow the hashtag Terrorhawks. And if that wasn't enough. Would you believe that at 10pm in the UK on Forces TV, they will be playing out the result of their poll to find the greatest episode of UFO ever, and that will have another bespoke intro from Dad talking about that episode of UFO. Wow. Great. What a day. I mean, there's other stuff besides. We've got video... I know we've got video contributions from people, from uh, fans of the world of Jerry Anderson uh, from all over the world and uh, you know conversations and polls and stuff across Mm. social media Uh, there's some videos on youtube i mean it's insane how much stuff is going on it's absolutely brilliant so we hope you will join us for jerry anson day make sure you get involved with hashtag jerry anson day on twitter uh, follow us on facebook and all the usual social places and if you want to watch fab live that starts at 5 30 p.m on the 14th of april on all of our social channels you can catch us on uh, youtube and twitch and facebook and uh, twitter and all those things lovely oh dear i mean that's quite exciting isn't it, it well i should say so don't you think i mean this is going to be yeah, the that's longest, not even half of it this is going to be the longest news section we've ever done because of that yeah. there's yeah. more stuff besides <coughs> but i need to have a cough there right now, also announced today what? is there's going to be a special feature documentary about Dad's life and career released in 2022. Yes, yeah, and really? Entertainment, that's us, have partnered with The Format Factory and uh, we are going to put together a documentary, a warts and all documentary about Dad's life and career and everything that inspired him, the troubles he faced, the challenges the source of inspiration a lot of stories that haven't been told before because 
you know, he was quite private actually about his kind of emotional internal life, and it's stuff that yeah. I've learned about since. Now, we are hoping to use previously unheard audio together with deep fake AI to bring Dad back for this documentary to Ooh. tell his story in his own words. Right. So I'm quite excited about the potential for that. It's going to be really yeah. difficult to get it quite right, but I know yeah. we can. So that's very exciting. So stand by for uh, more information on that Jerry Anderson documentary in due course. Great. Now, if that weren't exciting enough... What? Just a minute. Just a gift that keeps on giving. I know, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Let's just hear the trailer, shall we? Because this is going to say it all. So here's your trailer. Five. Four. shall withstand me. The Rolls Royce, please, Parker. Yes, belated. Scott, can you read me? Scott. We shall take over your world. Who is that guy? He'll stop at nothing. One shot and the nerve center of international rescue will be destroyed. Anderson Entertainment presents Thunderbirds. Terror from the Stars. What? Well, what did I just hear? You heard Thunderbirds, Terror from the Stars. What? A brand new uh, adaptation of John Thayden's 1965 book, Thunderbirds, with a full cast, audio book, which is available to pre-order now and will be out at the end of May and you can get it on CD uh, and the hardback reissue of the book from the Jerry Anton store or you can get Uh the digital version from bigfinish.com all on pre-order right now. But it's a full cast and narrated version, the audio book. Wow. Starring John Culshaw, Genevieve Gaunt, Joe Jameson, Justin T. Lee, Anna Leong Brophy, and Wayne Forrester. Aha. And they've done a rather marvellous job. And it's the first in a long line of audiobooks, which we hope to be releasing over the next, well, two years, actually. Lots Is and it? lots you of kept stuff coming. Well, well, yes. Well, we've been working very hard in the background, you see. You yes. know when we say there's brand new Jerry Anderson oh, stuff oh, being made oh, right oh, now. Oh, I see. Yeah, I yeah. get it. That's the stuff. It's the, it's ah. the stuff. All this stuff that's happening is the yeah, stuff that but sometimes it's like, you know, a year or two yeah. years. I mean, there's stuff that we're working on a year in advance right now, which obviously oh, yeah. we won't be able to tell you about until. Anyway, mm. oh, dear, oh, dear. I'm very excited about that. I think they've done a fantastic job. It sounds so authentic. Joe Kramer's doing the music and he's he's obviously recreated the, the theme, but all the incidental music is very much in the style of Barry Gray, but newly composed. Oh, lovely. Lots of classic sound effects, all the authentic stuff. And um, yeah, it's very cool. Um, the gang have done a great job. It's directed by Sam Clemens, son of the late great uh-huh. Brian Clemens, him of Avengers yeah. and Professionals fame. Oh, yes, good. Produced by our chum, Andrew Clements, who's done a great work. Clemens and Clements, what a great law firm. I mean, um, <laughs> d- director-producer yeah. uh, combo. <laughs> and Andrew's also adapted this. So all of these books are being adapted by true fans and creatives uh, who great. love the shows and want to make them as authentic as possible. And that's working out incredibly well. So yeah, much more to come. And uh, there you go. Hopefully that, if, if ever you were worried that there wasn't brand new Jerry Anderson stuff being made right now at, at any one time, well, this is proof that it's always <laughs> happening. It's and true. finally, from fictional oh, yes. astronauts to real ones. Have you, Richard James, well, probably not you, but have you, listener, mm-hmm. ever wished that you were a spaceman or spacewoman or space person, the fastest person alive? 
Hmm? Perhaps Thunderbird um, 3 or Thunderbird 5, your favourite vehicles, or an yeah. Eagle in your case, Richard? Yes, exactly. Is being in Zero X your dream? Well, you've been in it, Richard, in the animated uh, motion comic. <laughs> you could say that. Well, yeah. look, this could be your chance to be an astronaut. The European Space Agency is accepting applications for astronauts and an astronaut with a disability for the first time in a decade. Applications oh. must be submitted before the 28th of May, and you can find more details at esa.int, esa.int, but we'll put the full link in the show notes, and you can find out how to apply to be an astronaut there. Isn't that cool? That's really exciting. And also, my son did a, a work placement at ESA, so if you maybe mention his name in your email, and, uh, you know, it might just swing it for you. Might well, also mention the fact yeah. that you listen to the Jerry Anson podcast, yes. and of course, Dr. David Parker, the head of human space exploration at ESA, is, you know, one of your favourite yeah. interviewees. I, I mean... Yeah, good point. Could a Podsteron be the first Jerry Anderson fan in space? <gasps> Phil Steer, we're looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly are. Go on, Phil, get on with it. Right, <clears throat> that is quite enough for one section of news. I feel like we've been going Oof. on about this stuff for an hour. So yeah. that is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News. That was the news. About as exciting as it gets news. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we've, really. We've got to up the game now, but I'm pretty I'm pretty Crikey. sure this is one of the best news things we've done for ages. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, now, Richard, over uh, to you. Over on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash posterons, I've been asking people how they're going to be spending Jerry Anderson Day. Gary Hodgkinson said uh, he's going to be at work most of the day with the earliest start time, but hopes he can be home in time for Fab Live and he'll be wearing something Anderson. Rebecca Andrews says uh, she's looking forward to Fab Live and Willow Lambden Smith says FAB Live or rather Fab Live all the way. Then as it's a Wednesday, it's on to my weekly Danger Wednesday video calls with my two friends where we'll talk talk about random things and I'll plan more for the Potter's Arms Zoom quiz. I mean, if there's a better place to celebrate Jerry Anderson Day than the Jerry Anderson Podcast Facebook group, I don't know where that place might be. So if you're not a member of the group, please pop on over there now, answer a few questions and you can join in the fun. I bet there'll be a lot of discussion about Jerry Anderson Day on Wednesday and I'm sure you won't want to miss it. No. No. I mean, I wouldn't. I mean, I don't know how you could miss Jerry Anderson Day with all the time we're <laughs> mentioning the bloody thing, but uh, hashtag Jerry Anderson Day. Yes, great. Wow. Uh, Richard. Yeah. You have uh, been giving me a bit of a holiday recently, haven't you? I know, I know. What, what have you done to deserve that? I suppose you did just do that really lengthy Jerry Anderson news section, didn't you? Uh, well, I think so, and that means I definitely deserve a break from interviewing, but... Um, I am a bit worried because it's almost as if you're trying to lull me into a false sense of security. Mm, really? What on earth makes you think that? Mm. Mm. Anyway, I was lucky enough to be put in touch with uh, Glaswegian actress, comedian and writer Lubna Kerr. Uh, I happened to drop a line on Twitter after being introduced by a, a fellow Twitterer. And uh, I just said, uh, do you have any interest in, in Jerry Anderson shows and anything you'd like to talk about on our podcast? Thinking that maybe she had a story or two to tell. Well, turns out I was right. After completing the Laughing Horse comedy course in 2013, Lubna Kerr has become a regular face on the Scottish comedy circuit. Uh, she's gigged in the UK, as well as putting in the occasional appearance in the States. With humour that bases around her Asian heritage, 
Lubna attempts to break down a play of the stereotypes attached to her background. She's also a trained actor. She's made many appearances on stage, television and film, and she was one of the stars of Still Game at the Hydro in 2014. Uh, she's also made appearances in BBC One's Scott Squad and Armchair Detectives. And in 2016, she made her big screen debut in the feature film Moondogs. So uh, Lubna Kerr, a very warm welcome to the Jerry Addison podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. We sort of hooked up over Twitter, didn't we? I think we were kind of introduced via a mutual acquaintance. And uh, I dropped you a line last week and uh, asked if you would be interested in joining us here on the podcast. And uh, you said, well, any excuse to talk about myself is very welcome. (laughs) Well, I think you said crazy question. And I said, there's no such thing as a crazy question. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, exactly. So you also mentioned when we started talking that you had memories of Joe 90 as a child. So let's talk about then, what were your evenings like as a child? Were you gathered around the TV as a family? What what, what did your evenings consist of as you were growing up? So I, I, was, I was born in Pakistan mm-hmm. and my parents came over um, in the late 60s and my father got a scholarship to do a PhD in chemistry. Uh-huh. Um, so we moved to Glasgow from a very middle-class family life in Pakistan where everything was done for me yeah. and for my mom in particular and she came you know she had like a cook and a cleaner and everything else in Pakistan it was normal that's what there was a hierarchy there and then she came to govern in Glasgow mm-hmm. and it's like she's like where is my cleaner (laughs) (laughs) and she had to cook and clean and do everything herself and because my father was um on a a grant we couldn't afford television so and we were um tenants and my my first memory of watching of watching very early versions of of the repeats actually of Joe 90 was in our our tenant when he was out our landlord when he was out had a good room so we would uh-huh. sneak into this good room and put the television on. <laughs> now, did you uh, did you feel that sense of culture shock as well when you moved to Scotland, or were you too young? I, do you think at the time? I, probably, I was quite young, but bizarrely, I was sent to speech and language therapy mm. because they thought I had a stutter. But it wasn't a stutter; it was the fact that I was trying to grasp speaking Urdu at home and then English at school. Right, and you know, and. And you you were learning English at a much later lang- um, a much later time than you were learning Urdu, so yeah. your brain can't absorb all these cultural references and language references. And then it wasn't English we spoke in Glasgow, was it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a dialect of Scottish Glaswegian that you also had to take on board. So, yeah, it was. Um, so my first memory of us watching um, Joe Ninety was in secret. But the secret oh. is now out, Richard. Yes. I've never known it with no. anybody else. That's great, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to be too specific, but what sort of, uh, this mid-70s, do you think, or uh, late-70s, or... Yeah, yeah, leave it yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and do you remember what it was, in particular, that, that stuck with you all these years, from, from Joe 90, specifically? Yeah. So, um, I know this is... This is uh, so obviously I'm dark. I'm dark skinned, and then seeing seeing um, somebody on television who had the white skin and the mm. blonde hair, and it was like, oh, I think that's when I fell in love. You know, <laughs> really with Joe Ninety. <laughs> with Joe Ninety, yep, yep. And okay. and we were very similar age at the time when I, you know, watched it. And the thing was, Joe Ninety had this adventurous spirit. His father was a scientist. My father yes. was a scientist. Yes. My father, Joe 90s um, professor wore the glasses. His father wore those 
you know, those square yep. rooms. My father had the same classes. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh my God, we have so much in common, me and Joe. Yes. You know? And so, yeah, I could really relate to him as a child growing up thinking, this is just wonderful. Another thing that I loved about that very first episode of Joe 90 was my father was a scientist. My mom was an arts graduate, um, but she was really interested in the mind. Mm. And you know the rats machine, right? You know Yes, so, the big rats. Yes, so, that's right. Yeah, so my mum loved the concept of that. Mm. Actually, you know, um, she loved the concept of the mind, how the mind could influence the body and just what you could do to the mind. So she used to have a, a magazine she'd subscribe to called The Psychologist. Um, and then later on, she bought a book that's called Bring Out the Magic in Your Mind. She didn't write it, but I still got that copy of the book. So watching Joe 90 really appealed to her because of how you could influence the mind. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah, very, very interesting. A totally different, different angle. So I suppose the attraction of Joe 90 and of Catascarla and of Stingray was that they were very grown-up themes, but as children, you accepted them. Yeah. You know, there was quite a lot of violence you'd call it that you know yeah. people were getting killed and shot and blown up you know but you didn't question it you're like yeah. that's just life that's just what happens and you know? the thing with with joe in joe 90 is he's his difference is celebrated isn't it it's, it's his difference that make him what he is uh, absolutely it, did that chime with you at all growing up uh, as you were in scotland did you feel different or yeah Oh, absolutely. I felt different because I looked different mm. to everybody else in my class. I smelled different because we had spices at home and we had coconut oil in our hair, which I used to hate because it always looked <laughs> greasy. But actually, hey, guess what? We were right. It's yes. good for you, coconut oil. <laughs> so you look different. You smell different. You dress differently outside school. So school, you had uniform and afterwards, you you know, so... So very much, I could totally relate. But then, as I said, I had so much in common with Joe. Our fathers were scientists. They wore the same glasses. They were good-looking guys, yeah. you know. And then there was that relationship between the three men, the three adults, that yeah. was actually quite explosive. And um, But, you know, they were allowed to debate and have a, a heated argument, but then they were best of friends. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like Pakistani life. That's what we're like. <laughs> right. <laughs> explosive conversations you know yeah. very animated and then it was like yeah okay so what we're having for dinner oh curry all oh, right okay fine you know <laughs> and it's all forgotten and you sit and down it's and forgotten. yeah forgotten. it's it's actually quite refreshing because the british are always seen as a sort of stiff upper lip you know mm-hmm. whereas in the joe 90 the characters were allowed to have opinions that were different and they weren't stiff upper upper lip they were actually quite brave and adventurous yeah there's that famous sequence at the end of that first episode where it suddenly kind of cuts into a sequences a sequence of stills where the where the men are arguing about about yeah. joe's joe's fate it's quite uh, quite shocking isn't it yeah it, it's just the fact that his father not that he doesn't care but it's almost like i don't know he's testing him and saying what can you do joe are you up to this mm. you know and i could also relate to that because most of the immigrants that came here and stayed came for their stayed for their children's education. Didn't matter where you came from in the world. Yeah. They came for different reasons. My father came to do a PhD and he stayed, but he stayed for the children's education. He could have gone back to Pakistan, become a professor, but he knew that our life would be better. Mm. So there was this we had to do, we had to achieve. 
because mm. our parents had sacrificed and that's what Joel was like mm. he had to achieve he couldn't fail so again I could relate to that you know sort of yeah I know what it's like I've got to do well and also of course it's every child's fantasy isn't it to not to have to study and and work hard to gain knowledge but to simply have it implanted by a series of brainwaves and you know it immediately I mean that's every <laughs> child's fantasy isn't it it's every adult's fantasy well, come on true enough if I could do that at every actor's fantasy it's every stand-up's yeah. fantasy just yeah. you know yeah and, uh, do you ever get this in the middle of the night when you can't sleep for whatever reason or you wake up and then you've got all these millions of thoughts going on and you know and, and I always say to to people oh write them down write them down but I just wish there was a a rat machine that I could just go into <laughs> and it would just transplant everything yes. out of my head Yes. Onto paper. That's right, because it would do it wonderful. would do the legwork for you, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Totally. Uh, I found it really interesting when you mentioned Joe Knighty because it's often considered one of the perhaps uh, darkest of, of Jerry Anderson's series. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, you know, there's this nine-year-old boy who's uh, essentially brainwashed every week. And it seems uh, not against his will, but you know, it's a little distasteful, perhaps, that his adoptive father should yeah. uh, put him in this machine and implant him with uh, with brainwaves every week. Did you, as a child, pick up on those sort of darker themes, or was it just uh, the, the imagery, the music, and and so on that excited you? I mean, the music was absolutely fantastic. I loved the music, especially on Joe Knight. It was like the the seventies, sixties, seventies vibe, and yeah. I, you know, I could just you just even when you hear it today, you just transport yourself into that time zone so yeah. absolutely I loved I love the music I didn't think of it as a darker theme at all because yeah. I think it goes back to Joe was very I felt that he was really grateful to be adopted so he actually wanted to please his father <laughs> so you know and there was that adventurous side of this is what other nine-year-old gets to do that yeah. I was jealous of Joe yeah. so why can't we do that yeah you know yeah so I no, I didn't see it as brainwashing. I think that's more retro. That's more people now looking at it and think, oh, that was bad. But actually, children are so adaptable. It's the adults who struggle with themes like that. It's not children. Mm-hmm. Children just take everything in their stride and like, yep, yeah, what else can you throw at us? Yeah, mm-hmm. of course, we'll just bomb a few Russian planes. <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> now, so there you were. Taking these sort of stolen moments to to sneak in and watch Joe Ninety on on a TV. At what point then in your sort of young life, or did it happen in your young life? Did you start to think that perhaps you might one day work in a similar sort of world in TV production or on stage or in comedy? Well, I used to. Um, so I was in the Brownies mm. when I was when I was very young because my parents were very keen for us to assimilate into the into the local culture and local community. So one of my um, friends' parents said, "Oh, the Brownies would be a good thing for Lubna to go to." So Lubna went to the Brownies, and I was like so excited, Richard, because I thought I was going to meet my brown sisters. Ah, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Brownies. What did you expect? You know, I was like, it must have been very oh. disappointing for you. <laughs> I, very disappointed I have to say and then you're the brownies you get a badge you get a badge for you know um, making your granny a cup of tea or doing shopping or whatever you know mm. but you also got you also got a badge for meeting somebody from a different commonwealth country right. so I, was like, I was like really popular <laughs> it was an original tick box but during the brownies right you did plays and the very 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 first play I did I can't remember what it was called but my role was Audrey Right. I, I, I was called, I was about seven or eight, I think. Mm-hmm. So I was called Audrey and I had a really, really good memory. And I think that's what Joe and I had in common. I, I didn't have a chance. I just, I was my father's 
diary for all the phone numbers. I knew everybody's phone numbers. Oh. I had a great memory. And I remember the Brownell saying to my mum after the, the performance was over, oh, Lubna was so good. She knew everybody else's lines as well as her own. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're one of those, are you? <laughs> well, there was no prompt. Yeah. You know, yeah. so they were forgetting their lines. And I'm like, this is, this is what you're like. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first and I just loved it I absolutely loved being on oh, stage yeah. so I did plays through school through brownies um, but as I've already said to you my parents were very middle class very academic mm-hmm. and it was like Lubna don't forget very good actor but it's going to be a hobby right yes <laughs> yes okay you, what are you going to be that's right you're going to be a doctor <laughs> Now, did that come from Underline. your father in particular because of his science background? or No, my father wanted me to be a pharmacist ah. because his best friend was a doctor, but the best friend's son was a pharmacist. And the, so the best friend said pharmacist was a very good job for a woman. Hmm. And one day I woke up and I was a pharmacist. Oh, Yay! OK. <laughs> yeah, I trained. That was my profession. Ah. I trained as a pharmacist and did that for many years. Yeah. And um, until um, I was able to have my own life, really, when the children mm. were all grown up. And mm-hmm. so I came, I came to acting about what, 11 years ago, so much later on in life. Okay, yeah. it's inspired by what? Or was it just something that had been buried all that time that you knew so, you were going to come back to? Or I always knew I was going to come back to it because I did it up to the age of 15. And then when I was at university, I did reviews and, you know, and I, I've always written so um, I would review films. I would take part in the sketch reviews. Um, my husband at the time did say to me, you know, you know, you can go to Amdram. And I'm like, the children were young. And I thought, well, I go to Amdram. Who's going to take them to all the activities? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So when our, my marriage broke up in 2010, and then I had this space in my life. And I'm like, oh, what do I want to do now? I see. Yeah. And then there was a, um, an improv group not far away from where I lived. And I thought, I'll go to that. Except I didn't know it was an improv group. It was drama. Wow. So I went along and it's like, eh, where's the script? And they're like, oh no, it's 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 improv. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Improv. And I absolutely loved it. And then the rest is history. Ooh. Oh, thanks, Lubna. So nice to talk to you. Second part of that interview will be with us next week. Yeah. Glas- Glasgow yeah. 90. Uh, yeah, very good. That the best I could do. I mean, very I good. it's I wouldn't creep into anybody's house to watch Joe Ninety. I have to say, but <laughs> really? their own. I mean, I'd hope you wouldn't creep into anyone's house to watch anything. But well, it specifically depends. not Joe Ninety. Depends. 90. I mean, right? You know, Terror of the Zygons. Well, I'd certainly <sighs> consider breaking into my neighbour's house for that. Fair enough. And on that bombshell. <laughs> Uh, here are some more things that uh, some of our listeners will be up to on Jerry Anderson Day this Wednesday, the 14th of April. Raymond Ooh. Hunt says, I'll be working for most of the day, but putting on my T-shirt when I get in. Ian Allen says, you mean you'll be working without a T-shirt? Hmm. Uh, Ian Allen says, uh, I'll be joining you guys on Fab Live on the day to celebrate Jerry Anderson Day in my man cave slash museum, surrounded by all my Anderson sci-fi related items with a small glass of Thunderbirds sparkling wine. And after Fab Live, I'll watch my favourite episodes of Thunderbirds trapped in the sky. Dave Lawson says, I'll try to get there, but I hope my shirt makes it in time first. Well, Dave, good luck. He's down there in Australia, so uh, Ah, here's hoping. 
And finally, on a serious note, I'd like to send our thoughts and best wishes to uh, regular contributor Simon Allen, who lost his mother this week. Now, ah, sorry Simon's that, Simon. prolific yeah, on the uh, Jerry Anderson podcast Facebook group, and his quips and puns are very much appreciated by all. So our thoughts go out to Simon and all who knew and will miss his mother. Oh, well, isn't that nice that we can be nice to each other uh, oh, in, this, in this rather lovely community of Potsterols? Absolutely right, yeah. There you go. Now, I think we could all do with cheering up a bit. Yeah, Chris right. has finished his welding. Oh, good. Oh, so, look at that. I know, what's a good... I don't know That's what it huge. is. huge. Where but, are we going to uh, put it? I'm not sure we're going to get it out of the door, to be honest. It's going to have to no. stay there. But uh, mm. now, Chris, now you've finished, you might as well do your randomizer thing where you you know, you know choose a random episode and press a, from pressing a bread button on your machine and, and then you watch that random episode and say things about it. What, the, the randomizer, you mean? Yeah, he's nodding, so I guess that's it. Shall we just hear the randomizer? Yes, sir. Just do the randomizer. Okay, here's the randomizer. Chair goes up, chair goes down. Chair goes up, chair goes down. Chair goes up. Ah, number six, my dear chap. Yes, please, do come in. Uh, can I offer you some breakfast? My little friend here can sort you out anything you'd like. They all forget the amenities. This is not a social call. Oh, oh really? Well, uh, what can I do for you today? You telephoned. You said you wanted to see me urgently. Did I? Well, that's news to me. It's your voice. He said he was number two. Oh, hold on. Let's, uh, let's just check the folder here. Six, six... Uh, no, we've got you in tomorrow morning being pumped full of drugs, and then we're hooking you up to a special machine in the afternoon at... Oh, I'm sorry, no, that was last week. Oh, silly me. I'm still settling in here, you know, bound to be the odd mistake. Uh, six. No, we don't seem to have anything for you here today. Well, I guess you can go. Uh, Sorry for wasting your time. Don't mention it, Dad. Oh, and number six, before you go, there is just one little matter you could clear up for me. It's a teeny tiny thing. What did the randomizer printout give you? I've nothing to say. Oh, come along now, number six. There's no need to be like that. I mean, you told me why you resigned, didn't you? Really? Oh, you will, my dear chap. So it would save time for everybody if you just told me what the randomizer gave you, then we can get on and watch it. Are you running out of time? You do still have the printout. Of course. Naturally. Well, now the only way I can find out what you got is to pick up all these pieces of paper and tape them back together. You see, that really is very childish of you, number six. You think so? Oh, come on, number six. We're both reasonable men. I certainly don't want to be your enemy. Don't you? Your predecessors did. Look, couldn't you just give me one teeny tiny hint? I'm going to do better than that. Oh, really? I want to call a witness. A witness? Yes. Not a hint? No. But, uh, oh, hello. I don't want a hint. I want you. Ah, of course! Yes, Peter Bowles, who was in two Jerry Anderson episodes. If you've only now discovered that, I'm afraid you're a little late. Yes, uh, a Space 1999, which we've already done, and a... Well, I'm sure our listeners won't mind skipping the randomizer just this once. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? It does to them. We mustn't disappoint them. Otherwise, what, they're going to shoot me or something? They're not going to shoot you, they're going to blow you up. So anyway, it's the Protectors today with Triple Cross. But hey, maybe it'll be a good one. I'm anxious to find out. I think I might resign. You're wasting your time. Many have tried. So, welcome back to The Protectors. Uh, first season of The Protectors. 
and uh, to the only episode of The Protectors, um, I believe, that has ever been broadcast on the BBC. This was shown in 1994 on, on BBC One as part of a, a sort of tribute to Lou Grade. They had a few, they had like a week of um, ITC shows at night. They had an episode of The Saint, an episode of this, episode of The Persuaders, and an episode of Space 1999. And in fact, I have the trailer for that repeat run to show you right now. Roger Moore is the saint. Robert Vaughan is the protector. Tony Curtis is the persuader. And Martin Landau is the face of space 1999. A week of classic ITC action drama starts with The Saint, Monday, 10.30 on BBC One. Uh, if you're interested, the episode of Space 1999 was War Games. Anyway, waffled over Harry Rule arriving at a petrol station and a couple of uh, ladies have been dropped off. Hitchhiking ladies by the look of it. Car wash, sir. No, uh, just to fill up the tires. They've caught Harry's attention. 2628. 3622. Uh, yes, yeah, some, some very 70s-dressed young ladies here. Could you possibly give us a lift? I'm going to Bangkok. Uh -huh. Oh. Well, could you drop us in London on the way? Why not? Are you here for business or pleasure? Well, a little bit of both. How about you? Me? Strictly for business, Mr. Rule. Uh-oh. Got a gun. Drive. This is the trouble of picking up ladies at uh, petrol stations. <laughs> Meanwhile, over at Harry's place, the Contessa and Paul are just there, with Suki. For you, madame. Thank you, Contessa Di Contini. St Mary's Hospital, yes, I'll hold on. Oh. It's the casualty department of St Mary's Hospital. Uh, of course, I'll come straight away. Was it Harry? An accident? No, it was the casualty department at St Mary's Hospital. Harry is dead. Oh, dear. So, back from the opening titles, on that bombshell that Harry is dead, he's really dead, which is why we then go to the, the uh, Protector's opening titles and see Robert Vaughan. Um, yes, but no, Harry is dead, absolutely and totally very dead. Uh, anyway, we're now back with Not Dead Harry, as he's been taken off to a, a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Special delivery. Pay off your friend, darling. Drop her off on the motorway. Maybe she can let you ride back to London. A sleazy chap in a grey suit and grey tie. Very much a villain-looking sort of fellow. Harry's been unblindfolded. Tell me what this is all about. One thing I can tell you, mate. You're going to be among friends. Oh. So, leading him down into the basement, and... Oh, the Contessa and uh, Paul are already there, manacled to the wall. Harry! You too. How did it happen? A fake accident report. We walked straight into it. Correction, we ran straight into it. You should be flattered, Harry Rules. Okay, okay. This is no time for an inquest. Later, maybe. Right now, I want to show you this little gadget. Ooh. Well, it's one of those um, bomb things. Now pay attention. So I'm only going to explain it once. Listen very carefully. I shall say this only once. That is stuff. It's dynamite. Oh. And this thing with the wires is a little spring-loaded detonator. 
All set to go off in exactly eight hours. Harry's got a really serious look on his face. He's following this. Ah, so this is a bomb. One of those bomb things I've heard about. Do you hear that? Ah. Beep, beep. Yep. Now, if you get clever, all I've got to do is turn off the transmitter and bang. No bother. <laughs> so our friend has got a remote control device for the bomb. It won't do nothing right now if I switch it off. But you can bet your lot it will once she's loaded, Mr. Rule. This all looks very complicated. For something so simple. Harry. <laughs> Don't worry. He ain't the one who's going to need it. I wouldn't jump up and down on that thing if I were you, mate. Well, while you're in an expansive and explaining mood, would you mind telling us what this is all about? Why not? Hey, you've got this little uh, get-together lined up for this afternoon. Is that so? That is so, Mr. Rule. With a certain Mr. Koufax, a fancy social register ship owner. And I'll be coming along with you. You'd do anything to get into high society, wouldn't you? <laughs> you got it, darling. So, yes, this um, naughty chap is uh, he's going to take Paul's place, um, pretend to be one of the protectors. Don't forget my little switch on the transmitter. All I gotta do is flick and bang. <laughs> do you wanna try it? Not at the moment. Here's a radio for you, just to remind you of your friend Paul Boucher. Who's been left manacled in the, uh, the farm basement. Okay. You designed the security system on Koufax's pad? I did. Oh my goodness. You watch by closed circuit TV. I'll have to flick the lights at six second intervals. Great. Now this chap, John Neville, um, is one of these these uh, many, many times I say, is this the only time that such and such, but I'm, I'm going to go for it this time. This um, John Neville person, is he the only actor who has appeared in an Anderson show who has worked with the one and only Mr. Stephen Hawking? Because many years later... Don't forget the beep to beep. He later turned up on Star Trek The Next Generation playing... Isaac Newton in um, the the opening scene of the episode Descent, where um, Data was playing poker opposite Newton, Einstein, and Stephen Hawking, played by the real life Stephen Hawking. So I'm wondering if this is the only the only Anderson uh, actor to have um, have that uh, experience of working with Stephen Hawking. Of course, now this will finish and we'll cut back and uh, Richard will say, oh yeah, I worked with him on this uh, this CBBC thing back in uh, 2001. Oh, who am I kidding? It's a protector's randomizer. Nobody's going to listen to this. Oh, but here's Peter Bowles. Contini. I'm honoured, Contessa. The classiness factor has just leapt considerably. And my associate, Paul Boucher. Oh. Well, I assume you have no secrets from Mr. Boucher. It seems that way. Good. So now I can tell the first of his uh, two appearances on uh, in Anderson shows, as he was also Balor in Space 1999. The gems, you know, were first stolen by the Crusaders as they made their way to more holy pastures. Eventually they were found and reassembled and brought home, where they were entrusted to a very famous and talented gem setter. Oh, very like uh, our uh, Mr. Nervinov here. Well, oh. he promptly stole the uh, gems and made his getaway with some pirates who, with a true sense of justice, cut his throat. <laughs> oh, poor little Mr. N Nerfinoff, was it? Bowles is using him as a... as like a prop. Never once were they reset in the cross. 
This time they will be set in the cross, and the cross returned to my homeland. Wherever that is. The one great pious act of my sinful life. Where are the gems now? They are being flown in from Amsterdam, due to arrive in London in three hours' time. Until this moment, only I and my Dutch friends knew of this fact. Now it is up to you to make sure that the gems arrive here, safely. As if I didn't have enough else to do. That should be okay. We can hire an armored truck and some reliable guards in that time. An armored truck? Uh, will that not attract attention? Yes, an armored truck will attract attention. Oh, a diversion. <laughs> Say no more. One does not hire Rubens and then lean over his shoulder to tell him how to paint. <laughs> you know that you have my complete trust. Totally. But I uh, think that I will be there myself uh, with my private detective uh, and a few others. Just, uh, just in case we try to steal them ourselves. We are all human, Contessa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Oh, meanwhile, Paul is uh, still having fun with the bomb. Yes, Peter Bowles is looking... Uh, he looks like a, a decent sort of chap, but he might have a sort of shady side. He's got a lot of antiques about the place. Oh, that bomb is... Uh, yeah, Paul's been left manacled to the wall opposite the bomb, which is on a, a stack of crates, and it's perched on the very edge. If somebody came in and just happened to brush that stack of crates, um, well, could be a could be a bit of a, a bang going on there. Meanwhile, at the airport, here's a duplicate of the package you're going to collect. Just make sure I get the real one. Ah, right, so not Paul. The transmitter stays on two hours after we clear the airport. Is after those jewels that Peter Bowles wants to have set in the uh, the cross. It means you take it or leave it, darling. We could have handled all this, you know, sir. Oh, who's that security man? I recognise him from somewhere. Anyway, the... Uh, Which vehicle has carried the jewels, sir? Only Harry Rule knows. The handover is being made? Don't worry. He's a very clever man in his work. And the protectors, well, two protectors and one uh, imposter, heading back to their car. Oh no, fake Paul is, is heading back to the car. Where are the others going? He's going to use the truck after all. If we make it, I'll see you at the house. Contessa's gone in the Securicor van. And Harry... You are coming with us? No, I think I'll walk. Something tells me I'll need a little exercise. <sighs> Has given them the fake. Empty. Oh, empty. I suppose that makes more sense than faking them. It's a double cross! No, it's a triple cross. Or a treble cross. Who knows what's going on at this point? But Harry is now escaping in a little van. Bowls and sidekick are in pursuit. This is a, a this is a rather nice uh, car chase across a real airport. Oh, that's ended now that Harry's uh, crashed through a. Oh, he's abandoned the car after driving through one small wooden gate that has all the the tensile strength of like a, a a rabbit cage. Anyway, oh dear, Paul is trying to coax the stack of crates towards him with his feet. Oh, his wrists are bleeding from the manacles. Going to see if he can get. Hold of that bomb. Oh, which is so wobbly. But he's a brave lad, is Paul. 
And back at Harry's pad. The radio directional equipment is in the van. All right, you can work out the frequency from the receiver. We'll exit through the back. All right. But where are they going to go? Ah. They've got, they've got a van full of equipment waiting out the back. Hours, that means we got less than 50 minutes. Let's go. But uh, I have actually been to the, um, the flat that um, well, Harry rules Mew's apartment from, from the protectors. I've not actually been inside, but uh, what you don't realise if you, if you just watch the show is that there's basically no road. It is just... You turn in and there's the house and basically there's just enough room to turn, turn your vehicle around. There's no street there. There's no room for a back entrance. So I'm not sure where those scenes would have been filmed. Anyway, Paul and his trusty red boots have now, oh, very nearly, lowered the bomb off the stack of crates. Um, dropped it, but it didn't go off. So now, when the explosion happens... Space. You mean we're out of range? That's what it looks like. He'll be blown to pieces... There's the transmitter. ...from a slightly different angle. Charlie, it's a strong signal, not too far away. Pinpointed. Won't take us to Paul. No, but laughing Charlie will. The protectors in their protectors communications van, homing on uh, naughty old not Paul. And it seems to have brought them back to the farm. Unless this is a different farm. Something very odd about it. It's coming from fairly high up. Are there any tall buildings in this area? Negative. Well, there's the London car view. Oh no, we have a windmill. We're going to have a fight in a windmill? Well, that'd be a nice change. Oh, interesting camera angles there. Um, looking straight up. Oh no. Harry. He's dead. Now who will play Isaac Newton? The transmitter's still working. See if he's got the keys to the handcuffs in his pocket. But why, Harry? I don't know. I don't know, I'm thinking. Well, whatever you come up with, it won't help Paul now. How much time have we got? 25 minutes. We'll never find him in time. Oh, we get a lot of things done in 25 minutes, Caroline. You should know that by now. Why'd they drag him up to the windmill to kill him? Oh, no sound of a doggy, but no sight of a doggy. There is a, an ar arriving car, though, with... Ah, one of the naughty ladies from earlier. The one who had a gun on Harry. Where's Paul Boucher? Where? There's Charlie. You want to see Charlie? Take a look. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Charlie. Where's that farmhouse? Charlie! Where? Oh, who cares? Let's go. Oh, camera camera crew reflection in the uh, side of the van there. One thing's been bugging me. I was able to match that package at the airport. Give us an exact duplicate of the real one. I don't know that. Only Koufax could have told him. Maybe he worked for Koufax. A double cross. And if Koufax killed Charlie, a triple cross. Ah, so Peter Bowles was not as nice as he made out. Meanwhile, Paul has noticed something... Something with four legs and a tail. It's rather interested in this bomb. Allez, allez vous en. Filet. Uh, this is bomb disposal cat. 
He knows what he's doing. Four minutes. And that involves pulling the bomb around by its wires. Which is the best approach. Maybe the cat doesn't speak French. He's very keen to help, though. You've got to admire that. You know, in less than two minutes, Harry, that bomb is going to go off. For Paul's sake, let's hope our timing's wrong. There it is. Well, it's 19 and a half minutes through the episode, so we're keeping very good time, actually. Um, coming up to the end of the story, will we save Paul? There's a scarecrow that's getting some uh, some close-up shots here. More unusual angles as Harry and the Contessa run out of the van. Now, how do they get into the farm? Our bomb disposal cat friend is now having a go at the sticks of dynamite. Oh, Harry's driven through the wall and scared it off. Harry, get this thing out of here. What, the cat? Oh, the bomb. Harry's very casually taking his time, lumbering out. Oh, I knew there was a reason the Scarecrow was getting close-up shots. There he is. Gone up in flames. Bomb disposal cat's okay, though. Well, that's quite a story. One question, though. He doesn't give Koufax a clear motive. Well, how do you like $3 million insurance for a clear motive? I like it very much. What do you hear about that? The customs declaration form you signed at the airport. Not the fine print. The fine print. You should always read the fine print. Okay, let's talk to Koufax. <laughs> so, back to Peter Bowles' place. Yes, I'm sure his role in this episode didn't win him uh, certain scary female fans who would break into his house looking to be dominated by him. Just the protectors coming to see what's going on. Under the cover of, well, I was going to say day for night, but it's not even that really. It's just sort of day for day. Oh, at least on location. Now we're in the studio. It's uh, supposed to be night time. Sneaking into his house. Lots of lovely antiques and valuables about the place. And even though we know that Harry set up the uh, alarm system here, the protectors don't seem to have had much trouble getting in. I'm curious. Now that piece was on sale in Roma last week. Or have they? Uh-oh. Again, Mr. Rule. Well done. Stay where you are. Contessa, don't be foolish. These things are priceless. Well, as an expert, you must appreciate that any violence in this room... ...will do no harm whatsoever. Oh, no. There isn't a genuine piece in this room. How about this for a piece of chinoiserie? Contessa! Perhaps you prefer a fake Hellenic head. What do you say to that, sir? The value of my collection is well known. Every major item in this room has found its way into the sale rooms in the last six months. Oh. Ever since your company took a stock market meeting on the Alaskan oil concessions. He's a naughty boy. Are you suggesting that Gregor Koufax is, is broke? I'm suggesting that $3 million in insurance money might come in pretty handy just now. I want them arrested now. You saw yourself the gem stolen. True. I still recognize this henchman guy. It's pretty prompt. The contents of the upstairs safe. Oh, so he had them all along. And that's an interesting shot. 
Bowles picks up a an ornament, throws it at the um, throws it at his own henchman, and it smashes. It appears to smash across the guy's face, but if you watch it in slow motion, there's actually like a a pane of of protective glass between the two of them. Um, who was that guy? I'm gonna look that up before I uh before I go mad. Or maybe no, maybe I'm already mad. I won't look at it. I want to say that it's um someone. Oh, who cares? Like I said, it's a protector's randomizer. Nobody's going to be listening to this. I could be recording this with no clothes on and it wouldn't matter. In fact, I am recording this with no clothes on. In fact, I am recording this from a hot air balloon. Look, I'm burning. Will you put some more of that junk on me? I mean, it's more, that's more interesting than our little end of episode comedy moment here. Harry and the Contessa are uh, sunning themselves in... You just want your back rubbed. In uh, the front room of Harry's apartment. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. About my equipment. I think your equipment is fabulous, but uh, I am familiar with it. Harry needs some uh, sunscreen put on his back. So she's written the word Scrooge across his back. And underlined it. Which, um, if nothing else, is rather a waste of, of sun cream, actually. But anyway, that was The Protectors, Triple Cross, which um, is a perfectly decent little episode, as as most of these, um, certainly the UK-based episodes. Del Henny, that's who it was. I was thinking Resurrection of the Daleks. He was the colonel in Resurrection of the Daleks, wasn't he? Anyway, so um, a couple of nice guest performances there, John Neville and uh, Mr. Peter Bowles. But otherwise, um, you know... Just another average episode of The Protectors, really. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for another lovely randomizer. And uh, yes, if that's not a warm-up for Jerry Anson Day, I don't know what is. No, quite right, too. And random. Did you of know that? Of course, yes. Well, yes. I'll tell you what's not random. It's all the mm. episodes that we've carefully curated and selected for Jerry Anson Day across all yes. the multitude of platforms you're able to watch and listen on, including BritBox and Shout Factory and Forces TV and Big Finish and uh, Fab Live. Crikey. All that stuff is to come. Make sure you follow the hashtag Jerry Anderson Day and uh, join us for all the goodies to come and enjoy everything Jerry Anderson. And make sure you do introduce the world of Jerry Anderson to a friend. Someone who's never yeah, seen anything before true. or never really appreciated it. It's the perfect day to grow the uh, the Jerry Anderson universe um, by yes. adding some what, more fans. What could we call that? The G number? If we said that the G number is currently between 0.7 and 0.9, which means <laughs> it's shrinking, we want to get that G number over one, don't we? So you need to go out and tell at least one other person and get that G number over one. Does that make sense? I love that you're using an infection model for this, but uh, I suppose you're not far off. Yeah, uh, let's be right. as infectious as possible this Jerry Anderson day. Uh, only in exactly. terms of fandom. Well, quite right too, yeah. Now, over on Twitter, Dominic has been tweeting us at Jerry Anderson Podcast. No, that's not right. He's been hashtagging us. Yeah, that's what he's been uh, doing. At Jerry Anderson Podcast. There we are. And tagging him, I'm Jamie Anderson, me, Richard and James, and him over there, Chris Dalek, saying, I've just listened to Jamie Anderson's interview with Ray Earl. Oh, what an amazing person. She shares my love of Scarlet, but Thunderbirds and Scarlet are tied for first place. But, he says, I have to disagree with which bird is best. Dominic says, Thunderbird 2 for the win. Oh. Yeah. I mean, okay. I agree with that. Carl tweeted, Firstly, there was a superb three-part interview with Richard Harvey on the Jerry Anderson podcast. And then, lo and behold, a piece on Richard and his band Griffin 
on my favourite music mag. Funny how that happens. Mm, yeah, that is strange, isn't it? Synchronicity. Coinky dinky, as Dad used to say. Indeed. So, uh, Stephen tweeted to say, "Last night I watched Avalanche from Captain Scarlet and discovered that Cloudbase can move and all that. I never knew." Yeah, of course it can move. How do you think it yeah. got up there? Why is that a surprise? Uh, and uh, <laughs> finally, John Quinn. Interesting from Fab Facts that the sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who started off in Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. UFO Moonbase stuff ended up in the Green Death and probably other crossovers. Not so much going the other way, though. Or is there? So do you know of any prop that started life in Doctor Who and ended up in a Jerry Anderson series or from any other show and ended up in a Jerry Anderson series do let us know drop us a line podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk or tweet us and hashtag us Jerry Anderson podcast and we'll see it there interesting stuff yeah I, I would think less of a chance that stuff went the other way because of the nature of the BBC you know yeah. being a public service uh, broadcast especially then yeah very kind of uh, insular in terms really. of yeah doing yeah. stuff like that they wouldn't be buying you know it wouldn't be selling stuff out but maybe they did I'd love to know yeah. do email yeah. us yeah. Okay, Dickie James. Um, mm. I feel like this is probably the end of this week's podcast. Is that kind of the right feeling I've got there? Well, I mean, I think we've covered all the bases, haven't we? Mm, well, we do our best. If we've yeah. missed anything, if you've got any thoughts, questions, criticisms, uh, critiques, critical theories, I don't know, mm. uh, email us podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk or tweet us as Richard has previously described in this episode. So until our bonus episode in just a couple of days' time on the 14th of April for Jerry Anderson Day, I think we should probably sign off. I'm currently doing a very uh, gratuitous salute. Me too. Goodbye. SBA. Stage one complete. Let's go. Right. Have you got the popcorn? Yeah, I have got the popcorn. Yeah, I've got salt and sweet. Is that is that all right? Brilliant. Yes. I'm kind of yes. hoping for some of that really fancy salted caramel stuff oh. that's sort of slightly well, chewy. No, I, and That's a bit expensive, though, isn't it? I need one pack. That. Come on. Anyway. Well, if I... Okay. So, I've got my, so I've got my own body weight in popcorn yeah. here to sit yes. And, yes. and watch all the Jerry Anderson Day stuff. Do you want the duvet on as well, or should I keep that to myself? Well, we've done an episode of Fab Live with that before, haven't we? We were both under the duvet, oh, yeah. and it did raise yeah. a few eyebrows. It did. Maybe I'll keep it to myself so then. So let's <clears> do that. But of course, I've realised we can't actually watch it, because we're going to be in it. Oh! Oh, I didn't think of that. No, we're in Fab Live and you're doing the live tweets and there's other stuff oh. happening. So we're not going to... We can't even enjoy well, Jerry Anderson Day. Well, we better get through this popcorn quick then. Okay. Uh, let's oh, start now. Uh, okay. Pass it over. Don't take it all. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. 